Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Eagle Brook Church. Good to see all of you here this morning. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online, wherever you are watching from. My name is John Alexander. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And before we dive in, I've got some exciting news to share. On Friday, June 1st, we released our first full-length live worship album through Eagle Brook Music, and I'm so excited to share with you that all day on Friday on the release day, it was number one on the iTunes charts on all Christian albums, so we can celebrate that. Thanks to those who came out on Thursday for our night of worship. A couple things about this. First of all, just know I'm not bragging. I had nothing to do with this. I don't write songs. I can't sing. You know, I don't have anything to do with this here. But secondly, I do want to recognize that we have some of the most dedicated, humble, talented, and Christ-centered musicians and worship leaders just on the planet. I wish you knew them like I knew them, but I'm just so grateful for them. Also, when you buy this album, it goes all back into the funding, the mission of this church. There's no money to be made in the music industry, okay? So thanks for your support on that and celebrating that. But we are in the second week of a series called How the Mighty Fall. And we're taking a look at people in the Bible who were once mighty leaders, but fell. Our hope is that we can learn from them and not make the same Mistakes. Today we're going to look at the life of King Solomon, a man who had a mighty amount of everything, armies, money, fame, knowledge, influence, and power. But God had said to David, Solomon's father, that if your descendants would follow me faithfully, one of them would always be the leader of Israel. However, by the time Solomon had died, he had broken almost every one of God's specific commandments about leading Israel. Israel. Because of that, after his death, the kingdom of Israel split into two, and ultimately Solomon fell. Now, how could this happen? Because of this reason. The undisciplined pursuit of more. See, Solomon pursued so much of what didn't matter that it got in the way of what did. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relate. Because I've been programmed to believe that more is always better. If one is good, Two is better. One dollar is good. Two dollars are better. One car is good. Two cars are better. One donut is good. Two donuts are better. One kid is good. Two kids are tougher. <laughs> so it's true. Most of us would agree we've been programmed to believe that more is usually better. But at some point along the way in life, we have to pause long enough and ask ourselves, is that actually true? Now, my wife, Emily, loves to rearrange and update our home furniture. If I'm gone for eight or more hours during the course of a day, there is a better than 50% chance that she has moved, sold, or replaced some of our furniture. Also, she can bring in more of it. A few months ago, after I returned home from a work trip, I said to Emily, what happened to my favorite chair? She said, what favorite chair? I said, the chair I sit in every single morning to read and drink my coffee. It was this nice Ikea chair we had bought brand new a couple years ago. She said, oh, that chair. I moved that chair upstairs. Now I got you a brand new favorite chair from the Goodwill that you can sit in. <laughs> I said, I don't want that chair. <laughs> I want my old chair back. She said, well, you can sit in that chair upstairs. I, I said, I don't want to sit in it upstairs. I want to sit in my favorite chair downstairs, right in my favorite spot where I've always sat in it, and her response was, you'll be fine. 
It's been three months since we've had this new favorite chair, and I can tell you I've sat in it exactly one time. Why? Because it is the least comfortable chair in history. It's a wicker chair with horrible support, but according to Emily, it fits our space better. So now we have two of these chairs, and both are terrible, all so that we can have more of this terrible furniture. But Emily, she also loves the hunt for clothes, for more clothes. She'll frequently come home and say to me, look, John, I got you this shirt for $6. It was originally 20, so I saved us $14. And my initial thought is, you didn't save us anything. You actually spent $6. (laughs) Calling it savings is the greatest trick in the book. Savings, I'm convinced, should be called spendings. It would be so much clearer. But last spring, we we did get real serious about our our need to just cut back on pursuing some of this more stuff and just get rid of stuff, but I'm not kidding. The very next day, she came home with this from the Goodwill. I said, what is that? She said, it's a hanger for your belt. It is a pink velvet owl, if you can't tell. (laughs) Supposed to, I actually do use this. That's a sad thing, but I actually do use (laughs) that. Now, I know it seems like I'm picking on my wife, and that's not very nice of me. I get that. But that's because I only buy extremely necessary things, like the brand new golf shoes I got last month to replace my perfectly good ones. And get this, they were on clearance, $35, originally $60. I saved us $25, okay? So it's a good deal. It's a good deal. But why does it seem like we're always pursuing more? And the reality is we're probably not the only ones who pursue more. For us, it's used furniture, clothes, golf shoes. For you, it might be more money, friends, or activities. One is good, two is better, less is worse, more is better, or at least we've been programmed to believe. By the way, none of the things I've listed so far are inherently bad, money, friends, activities, even used furniture are essential to life in a marriage. Um, But it is, it is the undisciplined pursuit, the undisciplined pursuit of more that causes problems, that will cause us to fall. It's the times when we pursue more of what doesn't matter and we lose focus on what does. If you've ever felt like your life is a little out of control, that you have everything you could possibly want and yet still feel unfulfilled, that you're always in motion but never really getting anywhere. Maybe the answer isn't more. Maybe the answer is the disciplined pursuit of less. Maybe less is more. Now, there's no better person to learn this truth from than King Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David and the third king in Israel's history after Saul and David. Outside looking in, Solomon had and did it all. During his 40-year reign, Israel experienced abundance, unity, and peace. Solomon asked God for wisdom, and so God made Solomon the wisest man to ever live, and you think that would be enough for someone. But as I mentioned, Solomon accumulated vast amounts of riches, horses, land, armies, fame, and even wives. Solomon himself wrote, Anything I wanted, anything I would take, I denied myself no pleasure. According to one estimate, Solomon would be worth $2.1 trillion in today's economy. The richest of all time, second on that list, just to give you some perspective, would be John D. Rockefeller with $660 billion. 
Solomon wrote a thousand songs. He composed 3,000 proverbs. He spoke with authority on nearly every subject and oversaw the construction of the temple. The writer of 1 Kings said this, Solomon completed everything he had planned to do. I mean, Solomon lived the more that we could only dream of. And yet this is the same guy who would eventually write this. He said, as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Meaningless, he said, like chasing the wind. Solomon concluded it was meaningless. Now how could one have everything and conclude that, that it's all meaningless because more is not always better. In fact, it was the pursuit of more, the undisciplined pursuit of more that eventually led to his fall. See, Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines, many of them from foreign lands, which God had specifically instructed Israel not to do, and it was these foreign women that influenced Solomon to worship other gods. So Solomon's story ends with this. The Lord was very angry with Solomon for his heart and here's what happens, had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. The Lord said to Solomon, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will tear the kingdom away from you. And that's exactly what happened. Because of the undisciplined pursuit of more, Solomon lost sight of what was most important, his relationship with and obedience to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and realized that I'd focused so much on the wrong things that had gotten in the way of the most important things. That's why more, it's not always better. But we can learn from Solomon's mistakes. We can live with a disciplined pursuit of less, less of what doesn't matter, so we have more time, margin, and energy to pursue more of what does. So with the time I've got left, I wanna give you three ways to live with a disciplined pursuit of less. And the first is this, you gotta decide what matters most. Because if you're like me, you're wondering if Solomon concludes everything is meaningless, then what actually does matter? He says this, there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience happiness along with all the hard work God gives them. Now, before you start thinking Solomon thought life is one big party, let me ask you, do you enjoy life when you sprint from one thing to the next? Do you enjoy life when all you have time to do is think about yourself and your problems? Do you enjoy life when all you can muster is a grunt to your spouse or your roommate when you get home at 10 p.m. after a night filled with work meetings, happy hour gatherings, PTO board meetings, and kids' activities? Do you enjoy life when you have two houses that require repairs and constant cleaning, four cars that need gas, oil, insurance, and mechanic bills, along with a snowmobile, boat, bike, and other toys that demand your attention? And some of you are like, well, I'd like to see for myself if I enjoy life with all those things. And I get that, and I'm also not beating on people who have those things. Some of the most generous and free people I know are people that have all of those things. But what I'm asking is this, are you so full of less important stuff, social engagements and possessions that you are missing out on what matters most? 
like loving God, having strong relationships with family and friends, and pursuing God's purposes for your life. In the book Essentialism, written by author Greg McCune, a fantastic book that I've read twice now, um, highly recommended. He says this, when you don't purposefully and deliberately choose where to focus your energy and time, other people will choose for you. Before long, you'll have lost sight of everything that is meaningful and important to you. Isn't that true? If you don't decide what matters most, someone else will. McCune recounts the story told to him by a woman named Cynthia. She talked about the time her father had made plans to take her on a night out in San Francisco. She was 12 years old at the time. They had been planning this special date night for months. They had the whole itinerary planned down to the minute. Her father, who was a well-known author and speaker, as soon as he was done presenting, would sneak out the back door with her and they would head out to catch a trolley car to Chinatown. They would eat Chinese food. They would see the sights and catch a flick. And then they'd head back to the hotel to go for a late night swim, eat a hot fudge sundae and watch TV until they couldn't keep their eyes open any longer. And all of that was going to plan until her father ran into an old business partner he hadn't seen in years. And the friend said to them, we would love to take you out for dinner. Cynthia can come too. We wanna treat you to the finest five-star seafood restaurant in all of San Francisco. And her father responded, that sounds absolutely wonderful. We would love to do that. And as Cynthia heard these words, her heart sank. The, the night that they'd been planning together, father and daughter was going to be ruined. But then her father continued, but not tonight. Cynthia and I have a special date night plan, don't we? And they sprinted out the back door for an unforgettable night in San Francisco. And so Cynthia recalled, this decision bonded me to my dad forever because I knew what mattered most to him. Decide what matters most or someone else will. Personally, for me, my top priorities are this, God, family, friends, health, purpose. If I'm asked to do something that falls outside these five priorities, I'm learning, not always good at this, I'm learning to say no to these things unless these areas are strong and prioritized. Since I can't decide for you, it's worth spending some time thinking about this week. What is most important to you? Is it that extra dinner with work colleagues? Or is it being home at night to tuck your kids into bed? Is it that extra summer toy, which could bring a lot of joy and happiness to your family? Or is it the financial peace you'd have with a little more margin in your life? Is it the weekly hunting and fishing trips? Or is it the spouse who is desperate for your help at home? Like all things, there is, of course, compromise, but if you don't decide beforehand what matters most, someone or something else will. Okay, second way to live with the disciplined pursuit of less, you gotta clear out and cut back. After deciding what matters most, it's time to get rid of everything else. Solomon says this, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and stress. Better is one handful of tranquility than two handfuls with toil 
and stress. In other words, if we're constantly living our lives with two handfuls, full of stuff, activities, and possessions, our lives will be filled with toil, stress, and exhaustion. But one handful, focusing on less, will create margin in our schedules, our finances, and our lives. One handful living, I'm convinced, will bring more control, clarity, peace, joy, and fulfillment. But see, most of our lives have become overwhelmed and too full, just like many of our closets. Now, in college, I had something that looked a lot like this. It wasn't even a real closet. It was a makeshift hanging station for like the seven shirts and two pairs of jeans I owned and frankly never washed while I was in college. Uh, but now, you know, I own 10 pairs of jeans, 15 pairs of sh uh, sh uh, uh, shoes, dozens of shirts, and even three suits. Now get this, I only wear one suit ever. I wear like half of those jeans and shoes and like 75% of the shirts, and that's even after we got rid of a bunch of stuff just recently. Now what about you? What does your closet look like? This is gonna be convicting, right? I mean, some of you have walk-in closets. Some of you got walk-around closets. Some of you got two-level closets. Some of you have a closet that you give your spouse just a tiny little bit of space for them to put their stuff. Some of you have storage units for the stuff that doesn't fit into your closet, right? We've got so much. And even still, what do some of us do every morning? We stand in front of our clothes and say, I've got nothing to wear. Where's all those clothes? And why do we do that? Because, because we have become overwhelmed with how much we have. Now, here's the deal. Some of our lives, like our closets, have become too full. And we don't have room for most important things. That's why you have to decide what matters most beforehand. Now, for me, as I mentioned earlier, the most important things are God, family, friends, health, purpose. So I wanna make sure, as I'm going through my life in my closet, that the most important thing is God. And I think a lot of us would say that God is the most important thing, but we can't just give lip service to this. We actually have to order our lives around this truth. Is this true in your schedule and your finances? This is why I spend the first part of my day with God reading his word and praying. This is why church is a top priority. I make sure that's the first thing that goes into my closet. The second is family. My kids and my spouse deserve my best energy and focus. Emily and I try to go out on a date night every Saturday night. It's an investment of time and energy and even money, but we prioritize that time. No matter how angry I've been with my, my kids during the day, I try to bring my best energy at the end of the night so I can read to them, speak words of life over them and pray for them. I try, I fail at this frequently, but I try to bring my best to my family. Third are friends. For me, I've just learned I can be close friends with five or six people at most. And so I prioritize those relationships. I make sure that I'm spending time with those friends. Fourth is health. For me, I've just always said to Emily, we get one life, one body to live in. So anytime we debate the cost of a gym, the cost of going to counseling, because that's an investment, the cost of eating healthy food, we really try to prioritize that and make sure we have margin to pursue health in our lives. And fifth, 
is purpose. Now notice, I don't have career here. Career is great, but a purpose takes it a step further. It's a little better. What's the difference? Well, career provides a paycheck. A purpose provides a greater sense of meaning and fulfillment. No matter what you get paid to do, I find the people who are most successful, most content are those that pursue purpose. But you can find this within or outside of your career. So those are the top five priorities. I gotta make sure that I have room in my life for those five things. But here's the deal. If my life is so full that I don't have room in my life for these top five things, it's time to clear out and cut back. When do I know that's true? Well, if I'm overly exhausted, which if you have little kids at home like us, we're always exhausted, okay? But if we're always snapping at our our friends, our family, our kids, if we're constantly short, harsh, and angry, if we're irritable, if we're not sleeping well, if we're unable to prioritize most important things, it's time to clear out and cut back. So let's go through our closet here. Let's take a look at this. Maybe it's that acquaintance that you, you know, barely know or don't want to know. We gotta get rid of them, okay? Don't kill them, but get rid of them, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> Maybe it's time, and we're supposed to love people. I get that, we're supposed to love people, but these people drain the life from you, so this is the life sucker, the energy drainer. You know who those people are. We're supposed to love all people, but what if they're getting in the way of the most important things? So let's clear that person out. Maybe it's the happy hour gatherings, And I know for some of your careers, this is really important to build relationships, but maybe it's getting in the way of most important things. So let's cut those out. Maybe it's the extra dinner invitations. Maybe you just need to say no once in a while so you can have a family dinner at home or be by yourself for a little while. Maybe it's the sporting events. A couple months ago, or a couple weeks ago, excuse me, I was invited to attend a T-Wolves playoff game, the one that made Bob famous. (laughs) Not, Not by the same people, but it was from a really good friend. And Emily would have been totally fine with it, but we had already planned to go on a date night together. We had already gotten a babysitter, and so I said no to attending that T-Wolves game. Maybe that was the wrong decision. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's some of those material possessions, just things that accumulate in your life that get in the way. Maybe it's the boat. I know, it's summer, but, but, you know, boat. Maybe it's just, you know, taking up too much of your space. Maybe it's the extra car that's taking up finances and you don't really need it. We can get rid of that car, we don't need that. Maybe it's the snowmobile, it's never gonna snow again in Minnesota, so you don't even need this, so just get rid of that, sell it to someone. Maybe it's the, oh I know, oh my gosh, this is painful, but let's think about the motorcycle, just something to think about, it's okay to have it. Maybe it's the extra credit cards, I mean how many do you actually need? Maybe it's time to get rid of some of those because they're just a drain on your life. Maybe it's those extra clothes. Emily and I did this a month ago when Bob challenged us to go through our closets and our stuff. We got rid of five bagfuls of stuff. It felt so good to get rid of things that apparently Emily you know, didn't think looked good on me. I thought they looked good, but I got rid of them. Maybe it's that board position. Remember, sometimes these are good things. This is a really good way to volunteer your time and your energy, but maybe it's just getting in the way of the most important things. Maybe it's that community group. Again, good things, but maybe getting in the way. Maybe it's that team. Uh, before kids, I used to play Sunday night softball. Before kids, I used to golf with a group of friends every Friday morning. Those were really good days. <laughs> 
Now every Friday morning, though, I spend time with my two-year-old Marley. And we have a routine. We go to Costco, we go to the gym, we go to Target, we hang out together. And I don't know, I wouldn't trade that for the world. And I'm glad that I prioritized that time with her. Maybe it's the season tickets. I know this is a painful one. And maybe this is something I really value for my own kids, but maybe it's just less kids' sports and activities. Maybe it's just a few less things. And once you do that, once you clear all that stuff out, look at all that room. It's the, your top priorities plus the owl hanger. <laughs> There's plenty of space. You've got all this margin to be available in your calendars for the things that matter most. You've got space in your finances to not be so stressed and consumed by every paycheck. You've got room to breathe, to just enjoy what matters most. In other words, sometimes you have to say no to something less for God's greater yes. And you know, for me, my greater yes is a strong relationship with God. It's to try to live more like Jesus. It's to be an emotionally, physically, spiritually healthy husband and father who has strong relationships. And to pursue God's greater purpose for my life, which is to be a leader in this church and a pastor. Those are my top priorities. What are they for you? And what do you need to clear out and cut back? What do you need to say no to? That's something less for God's greater yes. Okay, third and final way to live with a disciplined pursuit of less. Choose quality over quantity. Decide what matters most, clear out, cut back, and choose quality. Solomon says this, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. There are no amount of possessions or experiences that will ever satisfy us. And yet here's what I think. Some of us are so weary and tired that we don't even know how weary and tired we truly are. And is some of the weariness inevitable? Of course, with work, with kids, with the things that life throws at us, with those obligations, some of that weariness is inevitable. But at some point, you have to ask, do you have more control over your schedule and your life than you might realize? See, I believe you have the ability to choose quality over quantity. A person who has taught me a lot about this is our senior pastor, Bob. <clears throat> you know, most of the pastors who lead a church like ours, they, they travel every week, they speak at every conference, and they jet off to every destination, church, and ministry that wants and needs their help. And while it looks fun and exciting when I see some senior pastors do this, I immediately start to wonder, you know, I bet their staff, I bet their families, I bet the churches they've been entrusted to lead would love to get their best energy, not their leftovers. Plus, we've just read about too many senior leaders and, and high-level leaders, even in the corporate world, who've had some sort of spiritual and moral failure, and they've fallen. Why? I mean, of course, I can't say for sure, but I believe one of the reasons is because of the undisciplined pursuit of more. Now, back to Bob. Bob doesn't enjoy traveling. He rarely accept, accepts invitations to speak at other conferences and events, and he'll occasionally show up to work 
wearing double XL plaid shirts that are four sizes too big for him, and baggy corduroy pants he bought 30 years ago uh, that he still wears. The good news is he got rid of those corduroy pants, but now our student pastors are wearing them around the office as a joke, and they're making fun of them. <laughs> now, the week of Easter, <laughs> I asked Bob to send me his message so that I could distribute it to our staff, the people who needed to see it, and I watched as it took Bob 30 minutes to figure out the password to his computer <laughs> that he logs into every day. <laughs> he got so frustrated, he called one of our IT people down. He said, "Yo, come down here. You know, my, my password used to be password. And they said I could change it to pastor, so I changed it to pastor. And now it's so complicated, I can't remember it anymore. And I'm pretty sure, I, I couldn't tell for sure, but I was looking over his shoulders. He was typing in B-O-B, but he was having a hard time with spelling his name, but you know. <laughs> now, all jokes aside, and you know, that's not really his password, just to be clear, just to clarify that. But all jokes aside, Bob is far from inept. In fact, he is brilliant. And you want to know what he's brilliant at? He's brilliant at the disciplined pursuit of less. I've had the privilege of watching him pursue what matters most, leading this church, teaching world-class messages, loving his family, staying spiritually and physically healthy. Now, even though someone needs to occasionally buy him new clothes and figure out the password to his computer, the thing I've learned from Bob is that he chooses quality over quantity every single day. So the challenge for us to, is to think about, is there an area of our life that we already have more than enough? We don't need to pursue more quantity. That might lead to our fall, it might cause anxiety, it might create a lack of margin in our lives. We don't need more, we need deeper. Once you think of an area of your life, commit this week to pursuing quality over quantity. You know, as only God can do, I started to write this message the very same week that I had the privilege of officiating the funeral of a 93-year-old woman named Marge. There's really nothing like a funeral to get you to reflect on what matters most. But as I sat there listening to people share about Marge's life, I was struck by how much she had made of her life with how little she actually had. She was actually little. She was four foot 10. She worked two jobs, 11-hour days for 40 years and raised two kids as a single mom for almost all of her life. But her two kids, now both in their 70s, spoke of their mom as a fierce, loving, consistent presence in their lives. Her 17-year-old great-granddaughter talked about their close bond and friendship, shared about the games they played together and the candy that she let her sneak away with. Her 40-year-old granddaughter, through tears, didn't talk about anything that Marge had bought her, she talked about their close friendship and the memories that they had made together, their time on earth. Her 80-year-old brother shared about their, their memories of biking and tubing together and how Marge had provided for her family all on her own. And he had so admired her. And Joyce, a longtime member of this church, stood up and shared how Marge had lived out her faith. Because when Joyce was going through the death and loss of her first husband, money was extremely tight, but occasionally a, an anonymous check would show up from a credit union in Joyce's mailbox. 
And later on, Joyce realized that those anonymous checks were from Marge, who honestly didn't have a lot of money of her own. There weren't hundreds of people there that day at the funeral, maybe 75 or so, because according to her son-in-law, Mike, a lot of Marge's friends had long gone and died because she lived so dang long, you know? <laughs> Nothing like a son-in-law's sentimental expression. <laughs> but as I sat there, I thought, at my funeral, people are gonna talk about what mattered most to me. And for Marge, it was clear, it was family, it was relationships with people closest to her, and it was her faith. But what will they say about me? What will they say about you? It's a sobering thought, but the Bible talks about how our lives are like the morning fog. Here a little while, and then gone. So what kind of life will you live? Some of you are carrying around so much, too much. And what I want you to think about is maybe it's time to lay something down. Remember Solomon's words, better is one handful with tranquility and peace than two handfuls with toil, exhaustion, and stress. You know, we need less stuff more peace. We need fewer acquaintances and more deep friendships and relationships. We need less time pursuing pointless activity and more time pursuing God's purpose in our lives. We need less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. We need more of Jesus. What kind of life will you live? People will talk about what mattered most to you. Live with a disciplined pursuit of less, less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. What will people say? With that, let's stand across all campuses for closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. Thinking about how we can learn from someone like King Solomon, a man who had so much of everything and yet articulated the things that mattered in this life. So thank you for your word so we can learn and we can grow and we can be better because of it. I think about those people here today who are carrying around so much, not because they want to, but because they, they have to. For whatever reason, life has put a lot on their shoulders. But Jesus, you say, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And we believe that. And so for those people who are carrying around so much. Give them rest. Carry some of it for them, with them. Let them know that you are with them. And for those of us who are unnecessarily carrying around so much, me included, at the top of that list, God, I want to lay some things down. Stuff, unnecessary activity, pointless activity, things that get in the way of what matters most which is primarily my relationship with and obedience 
to you. And so I pray for all of us who need to lay something down. Give us the courage this week, the reminder that better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and stress, God. We wanna live more like your son, Jesus. And that's what we ask today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for coming, everyone. If you'd like prayer, we have a prayer team down in front. See you next week.